Eagles Entertainment. The journey of the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got our final journey episode here on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA, because we're going to look back at all of the Eagles' day three selections. Remember, over the last couple of weeks, we looked at all of the Eagles' picks. We looked at their draft process, what they did in the college football season, all the things we said about them throughout the last calendar year. And then also, we've talked with head coaches, we've heard from the players themselves, we've heard from uh, Andy Weidel, the Eagles VP of player personnel. All that continues here today. For all of you non-Eagles fans, this will be the final Eagles-specific podcast, so stick with us here. Next week, we begin our divisional recaps with Ben Fennel. We're going to start also our interviews. This was a series that we did last year, last year in the summer as well, but we're going to start our interviews with talent evaluators all around the sport to dive into their philosophies and their back- backgrounds on player evaluation. So, Uh, I promise these are conversations you do not want to miss. We had a bunch of guys on last year that people enjoyed. This year, we've got former GMs. We've got future GMs. A lot of fun guests here that we're going to have on the show. Really, really excited for next week's week's guests. But before we get there, we've got some business to attend to. Like I said, it's our final journey episode of the Journey of the Draft podcast. We're going to start things off with Eagles VP of Player Personnel, Andy Weidel. He's going to give his his scouting report on all of these players. We've got some college head coaches. David Shaw from Stanford is on the show today. Gus Malzahn from Auburn. Rod Carey from Temple. All the times we talked about these players over the last couple of years. We're going to start things off, though, with Andy Weidel. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, joining us for one final time here on the Journey to the Draft podcast to talk about uh, some of the day three selections here for the Eagles in the 2020 NFL Draft, Eagles VP of Player Personnel, Andy Weidel. Andy, thanks so much once again for joining us here on the show. Let's talk through uh, a bunch of these guys, and we'll talk. We'll start things off with the fourth-round pick, Kayvon Wallace, the safety out of Clemson, uh, one of my personal favorites uh, from this class. would love to get your scouting report and what you saw from him on film. Yeah, he is. Well, he, he's a hard-hitting physical safety he played uh, very well down low for them. Uh, real physical around the, the tackle box, uh, off the edge as a blitzer. Um, you saw him passing people to the ball. Uh, he loves to tackle. He loves the physical aspect of the game. And uh, we we thought he was somebody. You saw that mentality. We talk about an eagle mentality, and he played with it on defense. He's one of those guys, I feel like, you know, when you talk about positionless players and the ability to wear a lot of different hats on your side of the ball – you know, he he did so many things for that Clemson defense. Uh, is you know what stands out to you about his versatility uh, playing you know in the defensive secondary? You talked about what he did close to the line of scrimmage as well. Well, he'll play high and he'll play low. Uh, I thought you really saw him stand out down low. Um, you know, he's a guy that plays with with the linebacker mentality. Um, he likes to get in. He likes to hit. He likes to strike. He likes to get to the ball. And uh, it was somewhat of a tempo setter on that defense. Very talented defense they had at Clemson this year. Um, so that's those are all the things that we saw in him that stood out and uh, someone that we feel comfortable with going forward uh, that he'll bring to our team. Clemson certainly has, has their type of guy in terms of the, the guys that fit that culture. Uh, what are the Eagles getting off the field with Kayvon Wallace from a personality standpoint and you know being able to fit into the locker room? I mean, he's, he's a hard worker. He's a good teammate. Uh, he's a guy that loves football. And uh, all those things add up. And uh, he's a good person off the field. He comes from an excellent football program. Um, and, and 
you know, he's going to add something. We feel he's a guy that's going to add to our culture. So last week we talked about Jalen Hurts and a player that, you know, spent some time at one program, transferred to another. Uh, that brings us to Jack Driscoll here, the offensive lineman uh, from Auburn. Uh, player started his career at UMass, was a two-year starter there, goes down to the SEC, steps on right, right our way on campus and becomes a starter at right tackle. Tell us what you saw from Jack Driscoll when you evaluated him on film. Yeah, I mean, you talk about smart, steady, and tough. That's that's Jack Driscoll. That's what we saw at right tackle. And uh, he did a nice job at Auburn in two years there. Um, really did a good job in pass protection. Saw some elite pass, pass rushers in the SEC he went up against, and I think he asserted himself very well. Uh, he went to the East-West, had a good week of practice there, and uh, we're excited about about the player the, the, and, and the makeup of the person that we're, we're bringing in here. So, um, you know, he's a good addition. He, we feel he'll fit our room. You know, I know he played some guard early in his career with the Minutemen. Uh, I know that he's said that he takes he's taken some snaps to, here this offseason uh, throughout the pre-draft process. When you have a guy that has that kind of a uh, you know that versatility along the offensive line, uh, what does that do for him in terms of moving forward once he gets into the building? Well, it's the old adage: the more you can do, the more value you bring to the team. And uh, you know, the fact that he can play multiple positions uh, that helps. And, and we're going to find out too. Uh, at our place. But uh, anytime you get an offensive lineman that has versatility to help you in multiple spots, you know, that can save you a roster spot on game day. And uh, those are things that we look for, you know, in our players. So would love to ask you next, uh, Andy, about John Hightower, the speedy receiver uh, out of Boise State. You know, we saw Jack Driscoll down at the Shrine Bowl. John Hightower was down there as well. Uh, what did you see from John Hightower on film? And is there something he did down in St. Pete that, uh, that stood out to you as well down at the trap? You know, he's a guy that stood out down at the East-West practices. His athleticism, his route running, his speed, his ability to go high point the football and elevate the plate. And then you, you turn on the tape from Boise. And he's a guy that – he has vertical route skill. You know, he's a guy that can separate down the field. He can track the ball. He's got ball skills. Um, he's He's got forgiving range with his length and his height. So and, – and you feel his speed, too. And uh, we're excited to get him in. You know, he put together a, a good season at Boise. He went down – down to the east-west, and I think he really separated himself down there and then uh, tested well at the Combine. So uh, we're excited for John, and we think he's going to be a guy that can help us stretch the field and uh, make the field longer for our offense. We're going to hear from uh, you know his offense coordinator here soon, Eric Kesaw. There's a guy that uh, you know spoke, to, spoke about his competitiveness and his edge. You know, what kind of personality uh, does John Hightower bring to the table? Yeah, John, you know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, had an interesting path coming from a junior college and uh, went to Boise, and he's a guy that's got a chip on his shoulder with something to prove. Um, he wasn't a four-year guy at a college. He'd, he'd go a different path, but uh, there's, there's a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove, and we're excited to get him into Philadelphia in our program and, and to see that come through. So as a Temple Owl myself, I'm excited to get into the next pick here with linebacker Sean Bradley, uh, a guy that I've gotten a chance to see live a handful of times. I've seen him in practice down uh, at EO Hall up on North Broad Street. What did you see from Sean Bradley watching him on film uh, during your pre-draft evaluation? Yeah, very productive tackler, tough kid, uh, leader for the Temple Owls. Owls, he's a local guy from over here in South Jersey. Um, physical player, uh, very good speed. You saw him passing people, getting to the football, and uh, a good special teams player as well for the Owls. But um, you know, we, we really liked him. We, we liked the value we saw at that point with his speed, the person, the mentality, and we're excited to get him in. He's another one as well. We're excited to get him in our program and get him going. We're going to hear from his coach, Rod Carey, here in a little bit. One of the, the one quote that stood out to me most when talking to him 
was he, he said he was the best leader he'd ever been around. Uh, certainly he brings that intangible. You know, the, we hear all the time about uh, the single tid, single digit Temple Tough guys. Does that what does that mean? You know, for uh, you guys as evaluators, when you're looking in, into a guy and he has, you know, the, I know LSU's got that. A bunch of schools have those kind of, you know, the, where the number to kind of signify what you bring to that program. What does that mean during the evaluation process? Well, it just speaks to the person. You know, it helps separate separate guys. And when you're talking about them, you're evaluating against other people at that level or. You know, in discussions, uh, those are all positives. Those are all kind of guys you want in your program, whether it's uh, having the single digit temple, the 18 jersey at LSU. Um, those are all uh, are, are things or attributes to those to those players. They did something unique and something that separated them at the schools. And, uh, you know, very good football programs, outstanding football programs. And uh, those things you definitely factor in. And we, you discuss and you talk about. So the Eagles get speed, more speed, more speed with Quez Watkins. Uh, around 4-3-5 out in Indianapolis, uh, the speedy receiver down from Southern Miss. What did you see from Quez uh, watching him on film? Yeah, you saw the big playability uh, he showed there. He's a young receiver. Uh, he's fast. He feels speed watching the tape. You see the ball skills down the field, ability to get behind people. And also, you get him the ball quick. He's a guy that can do something with the ball and pull away and make create big plays, explosive plays. So uh, we liked all those aspects of his game. Uh, he's a younger guy, uh, 21 years old, and uh, we think he's got a lot of upside and a bright future. I want to ask you about Prince Tegawanogo as well. We talked about his teammate Jack Driscoll earlier playing on the right side. Uh, Prince was stealing so many of the headlines coming into this season. He was on all every mock draft, things of that nature back in the summer. Uh, you know, Tell us about Prince Tegawanogo and what the Eagles are getting uh, at, yeah, you know, from the Auburn left tackle. Uh, left tackle, really quick feet, uh, good length, very competitive guy. Did a nice job protecting the edge for Auburn. Uh, down there the last couple of years and uh, you know, his tape, you know, it, it stood out. So uh, sometimes these guys can fall in a draft and sometimes uh, you can catch, as we say, catch a falling star and uh, you know, we're excited about him get him into the program and see how he does. Um, but we like the speed. We like the competitiveness. We like the way he can pass protect on the left side. So uh, we'll see how he does once we get him in here into the Novacare and uh, get him going with our group. Another guy with just a unique backstory, you know, coming over from Nigeria, uh, obviously late to the game as well, was initially a basketball player, was an accomplished swimmer as well early in his career. When you have those guys that were multi-sport athletes, is that something that matters to you personally? When you, you know, Not necessarily to the organization as a whole, but when you look at those guys and they have that uh, very versatile athletic background, is that something that stands out to you? Yeah, it's something you discuss. You know, it's something that, uh, that it's part of their makeup and uh, the athleticism and uh, – you know, all those things that go into the, making the player who they are, what they are as a performer, uh, their ability to do certain aspects, the change of direction and how that factors in. Uh, those are all things that, that you discuss. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about a guy like Prince, like all these guys, they all have unique paths. They've all had, we've, you know, we've discussed here over the time, uh, they're guys that have, they've come from different backgrounds, um, from different circumstances. But for some reason, they got to this. They they got to this point, and what got them to this point? You know, it wasn't just their God-given talent. It was also the person, the makeup, uh, the mentality. You know, the fiber, who the person is. Um, those are the things that really, you know, when you cut, when you get down to it, uh, the kind of people that you, you want to bring into your building. So um, all those things, all those things uh, come into play, and um, they are what make these these people, the, are these eagles, um, the, the person and the player that they are. And then, Andy, you talked about all those off-the-field characteristics. It seems to me that Casey Toole has a lot of those as well. Uh, the outside linebacker uh, for Stanford last year, 
did a lot of different things for them, you know, playing off the edge, uh, could put his hand in the dirt and get after the quarterback. What did you see from Casey Tool during, during your film study? Right. I mean, he's a, he's a hard-playing, high-motor, instinctive football player. Uh, he rushed off the edge. He was really good in the rush package on stunts, uh, working the edge. And he's a guy that always ran to the football and played hard. He was a productive football player for them. So uh, he, did, he did a nice job testing at the combine as well. And uh, we just like like the motor he played with and the relentless aspect of his game. And then uh, he brings everything, you know, from an off the field standpoint. You know, Stanford, uh, we've gone, we've gotten a lot of players from that program over the last seven, eight, nine years. Uh, we know what David Shaw has built out there. What, what have you seen from him, you know, in terms of his off the field? You know, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to, to speak with him. Uh, well, I, I lost you at the end, but uh, I think, you know, our scouts that went in there, Anthony Patch, Ryan Myers, uh, the guys on the West Coast, TJ McCray, they had a good feel for them. They have great relationships there with Coach Shaw and uh, with people in the program. And we got to know this player well uh, through our scouts, through the relationships we have there. And, uh, you know, he, he's just a guy, as I talked about, you know, his his play, the way he plays and approaches the game, you could feel it on, on tape. And uh, it's the kind of person he is and the makeup he has. So uh, we're excited about him and getting him in the program and uh, seeing what he can do, what he can do with our defensive line. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Great stuff there from Andy, who spent a ton of time with us over the last couple of weeks, breaking down all 10 of these Eagles selections in the 2020 NFL Draft. Our plan is to have him back on the show again very, very soon. Now, let's dive into some more analysis of these players. And we're going to start things off with safety Kayvon Wallace. This is a guy that I loved really early on in the evaluation process, really after the first time that I studied him. I didn't get the chance to study him until the early fall, but... I loved what I saw on film. The first time I talked about him on the show was about mid-October, where I broke him down in depth for our scouting report segment. Here they are. These are my raw notes, or almost verbatim, from studying Kayvon Wallace in the fall. All right, so Clemson safety, Kevon Wallace. We've talked a lot about uh, Isaiah Simmons. We've talked about him on the show previously. Ben did the Clemson-North Carolina game a few weeks ago. So we've gotten in on what these guys can do. And Isaiah Simmons, you know, he's talked a lot about his versatility and all, all the different things that he can do for a defense at all three levels of the field. Well, you can't just have one versatile guy in your secondary. If you're going to have one player that's a Swiss Army knife, you typically need other guys that also present that skill set. And to me, I look at Kevon Wallace and I see a guy that lines up all over the place. Let's just get into the notes now. He was on the Senior Bowl watch list coming into the year, very much on the radar for Jim Nagy and his crew down in Mobile, Alabama. He was all all honorable mention uh, ACC last year. High school track guy, was competing in national tournaments as a sprinter, as a teenager. Two and a half year starter now for Brent Venables in that scheme uh, down at Clemson. Lined up to the field, so to the wide side of the field in their base defense and their 4-3. But most of the time, you could find this guy either in the slot or down in the the box. He plays a lot, very close to the line of scrimmage. So all the different roles that he's being used in uh, makes him a a very valuable, interesting piece moving into the NFL. 5'11", 205, so a little bit on the shorter side, a little bit of a squatty frame, but he's filled out. He's got a really muscular build, uh, looks the part uh, as an NFL defensive back. He's a fluid athlete. He's not super explosive, but he's smooth and he's twitchy and he's got the ability to close from behind. When he's moving downhill, he can eat up grass really quickly uh, as a blitzer, as a run defender filling in the alley. He does a really good job coming downhill from off coverage. I think he's got a quick trigger to click and close on throws in front of him and he's a really smart zone coverage player, especially in the middle of the field. Very assignment sound. He can provide help to to teammates. He also knows when to play to his help uh, in space. So Kevon Wallace, a very smart player. 
And I mentioned earlier, he can spend time in man coverage against running backs, receivers, tight ends. And I think he's got that skill set to be able to do that at the NFL level as well. He's a smart coverage player that can do a lot of different things. And he's also a really competitive tackler in the run game. He's an aggressive take-on player. He destroys slot receivers and even tight ends out at the second level, defeats blocks consistently in space before flowing to the football. And he's a consistent wrap-up tackler who shuts down ball carriers on contact. I really liked what I saw from him uh, in the run game when I studied him on film. And he's also a great blitzer. They like sending him off the corner, whether he's from the boundary or from the slot. He does a great job getting after the quarterback in those situations, and he's a high-energy player. You can tell he's a tone setter for that team, a high-energy guy. Love his play personality and what he brings to the table. From a negative standpoint, Kevon Wallace, the, you know, a lot of people will question whether or not he's got the speed to be able to carry receivers vertically. We talked about earlier with Shaheem Carter. I think there's a, a little bit of similarity there with what Ben was talking about from the Alabama star to what you've got here with Kevon Wallace. So his ability to recover is a little bit of a question mark. Was not often used as a post player. There are some reps where he's used deep, but most of his reps either came in the box or in the slot. He can be a little bit grabby if he's attacked vertically. I'd like to see him challenge a little bit more downfield to get a sense of his ball skills when he's got to turn his back to the quarterback and then find it late. Didn't see that in the games that I've studied, but overall... When I see this guy, I mean, he's a cover safety with man coverage flexibility to play in the slot. He could play against tight ends and backs, and he's got a level of comfort in playing near the line of scrimmage that you don't typically see, especially with guys with his body type. I see a Swiss Army, uh, a Swiss Army knife defensive back who offers most value in the slot as a modern day strong safety or even as a big nickel player uh, in man coverage, down in the box, whatever you need him to do. I think he's got that ability to be able to offer that value to an NFL defense. He also could be, you know, a backup regular nickel corner as well. He also has the skill set of a core special teams player. So I see a high floor, versatile defensive back who could play a number of different roles, but I think he's got a starting skill set. Some of the names I wrote down while watching him, uh, Avante Maddox, MJ Stewart, Jimmy Ward for the San Francisco 49ers, Logan Ryan uh, previously with New England, now with the Tennessee Titans. So uh, I really liked Kevon Wallace. I think he's got an NFL skill set for sure. He's a player certainly to keep an eye on moving forward, uh, especially a lot of people talking about Isaiah Simmons. Don't forget about Kevon Wallace. I think he's got a lot of ability going forward. Now, a couple of weeks later, Kayvon was announced as one of the first acceptances for the 2020 Senior Bowl. And that week on the show, we broke down that entire list, all the guys that were early acceptances. Wallace was on it. Here's what we had to say. A guy that I actually professed my love for a couple weeks ago here on the show is uh, the Clemson safety, Kavon Wallace, 5'11", 205. Some names I wrote down watching him, Avante Maddox, MJ Stewart, mm -hmm. uh, Glover Quinn, Jimmy Ward. Nice, yeah. He's a, a, a cover safety who really excels near the line of scrimmage in the box. So it's, to me, he is like today's he's today's strong safety. Uh, he's really built for today's I feel like game. he's been at Clemson forever, too. They've yeah, been, he's, uh, I think he's a three-year starter. I remember him in the playoff games yep. for the past like three, four years with Deshaun Watson, and I remember that Ohio State game. Um, yeah, he's been out there with a number of different people in the secondary with yep. him, whether it was like Cordelia Tankersley out there or um, picture him with like different eras of Clemson DBs, but yep. he's just been there for five years. Dude, so. He's he's a he's a good player. He's yeah. a really good football player. Um, you know, we've talked about Isaiah Simmons and some of the concerns we've got with him. I think when you look at Kevon Wallace, this kid's a football and player. And it's also something to be said, these guys at these powerhouse programs with a lot of turnover that there's some young five stars coming in that, you know, Dabo wants to promise playing time to. And the fact that these, some of these older kids still hold it down. Yep. It's impressive that, you know, to come not come off the field there. I thought that was a really good point there by Ben at the end about Wallace, where he just one of those guys 
that refused to relinquish his role in that defense. We're going to hear from one of his coaches here in a bit about how he was able to do that. So the season continues. We talked about Kayvon a few more times down the stretch. We previewed his matchup against Wake Forest, that explosive offense. The Tigers ended up blowing them out of the water. We previewed the national title game against LSU. We talked about Wallace's matchup against a future first-round pick and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in that game. I don't want to be too repetitive with what you're hearing us talk about, so I skipped a couple of those segments. Uh, He was the safety that I brought up as well in our Senior Bowl preview that week before the trip to Mobile, Uh, so I brought him up again here on the show. I talked about him once we got down to Mobile. You know what's funny, though? Over a couple of these segments, and you heard it earlier, I said that I, my, one of my questions was him, with him was his long speed. I wasn't sure that he was a purely explosive athlete. So what's he do? After that week in senior, Mobile at the Senior Bowl, he has a strong week down there, he blows the doors off the workout at the Combine. Really impressive workout regiment out in Indianapolis. And we talked about that that night after drills ended. Really, really impressive workout from Kayvon Wallace. Kayvon Wallace, I thought was really solid across the board. He ran 4.53, which for him, people questioned his speed. I questioned his speed. I didn't know what was his range going to be like. He ran 4.53, solid number, good three cones, 6.76, above average short shuttle, 4.15, very good uh, uh, jumps as well, 38 inches in the, in the vert, 133 in the broad. So when you look at the overall athletic workout for Kayvon Wallace, a guy that I have sung his praises uh, over and over, yeah. was that we had a, a listener say that he was the, the Jalen Jelks of this year's class. <laughs> I remember uh, that, Kay- yeah. Kayvon Wallace, to me, uh, had a really impressive workout from an athletic standpoint. I thought he did a really good job. So our love affair with Kayvon Wallace was far from over in Indianapolis. We did a pick six segment just a couple weeks later on the most intriguing day three talents. I picked Kayvon Wallace. We did our safety preview and covered our favorite sub-package players at the safety spot. Ben picked Kayvon Wallace. We had a a bunch of mock drafts from you guys for the fan mock draft. So often on day three, the listeners picked Kayvon Wallace. So draft weekend comes, and with their first pick on day three, Howie Roseman and the Eagles pick... Kayvon Wallace. He joins Dave Spadaro shortly after the announcement. Here's a small chunk of that interview. With the 127th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles selecting from Clemson University safety Kayvon Wallace, and he joins me, Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, here just minutes after he was picked. Kayvon, how are you feeling right now being a Philadelphia Eagle? Man, I, I feel so good. I'm so blessed to, to be drafted by you guys and play Eagles fly, man. I just can't wait to get work, get ready to work, um, you know, just bring the Super Bowl to that, that program. Hey, so let's talk about that. You talk about championships. I mean, at Clemson sure. University, unbelievable success. You are used to winning, right? I mean, how much yes, does sir. that make you a better – how much does that make you a better football player? It ain't, it ain't even the fact that I'm just a winner. I feel like I hate losing more than I love winning. So just the hate for losing has always is, just drove me to, to be in a better spot, to put my team in a better spot to just go out there and win, go out there and play the best of my ability. Um, high school level, I won a state championship uh, for, you know, as my team and all of us we did. Um, when we won it for the first time in 60-plus years. Then going to Cle- uh, Clemson and going to college and winning it the first year there and also my junior year as well, and just just bringing that championship swagger, that championship pedigree to, to this program is what it's all about. 
So you get a sense there of Kayvon's demeanor in that clip with Dave. And remember, you can check out that full interview on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and be sure to subscribe to Dave's Eagles Insider Podcast. But where does that demeanor come from? And is that something that the Eagles coaches can expect every day from Kayvon Wallace? Well, I caught up with Clemson Safety's coach Mickey Kahn to ask him that very question. Here's the man who coached Kayvon Wallace throughout his college career in this exclusive interview. We're excited to welcome in Clemson safeties coach Mickey Kahn to talk about Eagles' fourth-round choice, uh, Kayvon Wallace. Coach, uh, Kayvon, is a bi- I'm a big fan of this kid. And I- I've gone back, I've watched you guys over the last couple of years and just how he was used in that defense. Such a versatile player. I'd love to just get your scouting report of Kayvon and what he's going to bring to this Eagles defense. Well, first off, y'all got the steal of the draft, in my opinion. This guy, he can do it all on defense. And, I mean, he played – he played anywhere from, of course, he played safety. He played nickel. He played corner. He played linebacker when we need him. He's a great blitzer. He's a good cover guy. Uh, he's a very, very smart player. He's instinctual. He's physical. I mean, you, you get a lot with Kayvon. I think that the biggest thing you get is his will to win. Uh, you got a kid there that, uh, I mean, he just wills it to happen. And he wants it so bad, he's going to give you everything he's got. Uh, on every play, every practice, every game. It's, you got a special person in Kayvon. A longtime starter for you guys. At what point did you guys realize, you know, this guy is going to be a linchpin for our defense, someone we're going to be re- able to rely upon for a long, long time? Yep. He, you know, when he got his opportunities, he just took advantage of it. When he got here as a freshman, you know, our defense is pretty complicated. He came in and learned it. And and was able to apply it. We knew then when we started playing him at nickel and dime, when we were trying to groom him in there as a safety and a corner, you know that this kid was pretty special. And then, um, you know, the the more playing time he got, the better he played. And uh, you know, he was he was able in that 2017 season, he was able to really assert himself and and take that job at safety. Coach, we've talked about a lot about the versatility of the guys in that back seven, and you know, people have always talked about Isaiah Simmons and Tanner Muse. And I've always said, I've said it numerous times on the on the podcast, is you know when you can't have just one guy who can line up everywhere, you'd like to have a bunch of guys that way you can be multiple and disguise things. And certainly, Kayvon kind of fit that bill. Talk about the mental side of it, though, about you know what you've got to be able to you know be able to do from a, a mental rolodex standpoint to be able to play all those different roles in a defense. You know, there's so much – most people want to talk about offense and, and what people do on offense, and they they fail to realize how hard defense is to play. You know, they think you just throw 11 guys out there and they just run to the ball, and it's not like that anymore. Quarterbacks are too good. Offensive schemes are too good. So you've got to be – you've got to be able to hide things. you got to be able to line up in things and, and show one thing and then give them something different. And in order to do that, you know, guys have to learn multiple positions. And, uh, you know, with Kayvon, Isaiah, and Tanner, man, those three guys were playing multiple positions on our defense and had to so that we could show one thing and, and give them something different. And, uh, you know, for Kayvon, he's just very smart. But you can't just be smart. You got it. The game plan changes every week. So you gotta you gotta start over every week versus the offense that you're going against. For an offense, you know they're running the they're running the same stuff every week. You're seeing as a defensive player, you're seeing a new offense every week. So you gotta adjust. You got a game plan, and for Kayvon, man, that's 
that's hours and hours and hours watching film and getting himself mentally prepared. You know, whether he's playing strong safety, whether he's coming down playing the nickel, whether he's going to play the dime this week or, or if he's going to play the wheel linebacker. So, I mean, you know, just he had to learn a ton of stuff, even playing corner. You know, Kayvon can – he can play them all. That's what, Coach, we've had so many discussions here, you know, in Philadelphia this offseason about positionless players in the secondary. And that's why, you know, getting a guy from Clemson, you guys kind of define that at the college football level, certainly at the highest co- level of competition uh, with what you guys were able to do on the back end. And I feel like Kayvon was such a, an epitome of that. Uh, when, when you have those guys that, you know, can be used in all those different ways – do they have a favorite? Like, does Kayvon have, like, a favorite thing that he was asked to do in your defense that kind of got his eyes uh, lit up the most? I think they all love it when their number's called blitz. You know, those guys, <laughs> you know, we, we draw up different pressures and different blitzes each week, and when they're, when they're the focal point of the blitz and they know that, oh, okay, this blitz, you know, we'll put in some things and not even run them, but, but you know, when you know we're going to run this blitz, you know, his eyes light up, and he loves, he loves bringing that pressure. You know, he, he loves playing man coverage and, and zone and doing all that stuff too. But, you know, you're talking about when he when he's when his eyes get big is when his number's called to go after that quarterback. He loves that. And then last question for you, Coach. What, what was Kayvon's involvement on special teams? Obviously with uh, what the Eagles have in the secondary right now, he's going to play, play a pivotal role on special teams, especially early on as a rookie. Uh, what did he do in the third phase of the game? You know, it's funny you ask that because Kayvon begged – to be on all the special teams. You know, I, I over my years of coaching, I've found that most guys, when they get to their senior year, they don't they want to be done with special teams. And this guy, he wanted to play special teams. So I'm, I'm in charge of the kickoff coverage team, and he wanted to be on kickoff team. He wanted to be on punt team. He wanted to be on punt return. I mean, he wanted to return punts. He wanted to return kicks. He wanted to do whatever he could to get on the field. You know, just he loves playing football. He just loves the game. And, you know, like I said, most people, they, they don't want any part of it, you know, once they've kind of established themselves as a starter on defense, whereas Kayvon was just the opposite. He begged and begged, Coach, please let me get on there. I want to get on the special teams. Because a lot of times I like to get the younger guys experience, but he, he wanted to be on it. So, shoot, we put him on there, and he did great. He did absolutely wonderful. Well, that, that kind of mindset certainly is going to serve him well in the NFL. Coach, thanks so much for joining us, giving us some more insight here into Kayvon Wallace. Stay, stay safe, stay healthy. Best of luck to you guys here this fall. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Good luck, guys. So I'll wrap up our coverage of Kayvon Wallace, a player that I think the Eagles fans are going to absolutely love throughout his stay here in the city of brotherly love. Now, let's move on to the next pick, Auburn offensive lineman Jack Driscoll. But I don't want to just talk about Driscoll here because, honestly, it was rare that we talked about him without also talking about his teammate, Prince Tegawanogo, who the Eagles picked later in the sixth round. So we're going to discuss both players here and their journey to the draft, and we're going to start things off with the guy who coached both of them at Auburn, and that's Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn, he was kind enough to chat with me after the draft to talk about both Jack and Prince. Here's that interview now. Well, excited to welcome here to PhiladelphiaEagles.com, Auburn head coach Gus Malzahn. Coach, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us here to talk about two of the Eagles draft selections from the 2020 NFL Draft. Jack Driscoll, the right tackle for the Auburn Tigers, and Prince Tegawanogo, the left tackle for the Auburn Tigers. And uh, two very unique stories in terms of getting there and being longtime starters for you on the offensive line. And we'll, and we'll start with Jack Driscoll because, uh, you know, he transfers up from up here from this region, from the Northeast, from UMass, 
going down to you guys starts from day one on the right side. I would just love to know just how did he, how did that happen? How, how did that connection happen from UMass uh, down to Auburn? Well, we felt like we needed some help and we started looking at grad transfers and of course we saw him and, you know, we got a chance to see him play against an SEC team, uh, you know, in Tennessee. And so we really felt like he had a skill set. Then we got around him, just saw the type of person he is. And so we recruited him hard and, and we got him and he started for us for two years and just uh, a wonderful person. Uh, he's got a unbelievable work ethic. Um, he's, he's very durable. He plays banged up and, and he's like a coach on the field too. Very smart. And uh, just think he's got a chance to play for a long time at the next level. And I know he played right tackle for you guys, but uh, you know, up at UMass, played left tackle, played some left guard, so certainly had that uh, position versatility. Um, did, did he work in any other spots in practice, or was he solely a, a right tackle for you guys through and through? Yeah, he played some left tackle in practice too. You know, the thing about Jack, he's very versatile. Uh, you know, he could play guard. Uh, he's even snapped the football. Uh, he's a very, very good athlete and uh, and very smart too. Uh, you know, so he can play all five positions and. I think that'll that'll really help with his value. Yeah, I, I was impressed with just you know knowing that he had some physical limitations in terms of his length. He always seemed to know how to overcome that in the SEC. Just the way he used his hands, his timing with everything. Uh, really, really impressive player. Let's go over to Prince Tegawanogo. Obviously, uh, <clears throat> a very unique story in terms of uh, you know him coming over from Nigeria and you know starting uh, as a multi-sport athlete late to football. But uh, just tell us about the recruiting process for Prince and uh, just how he became one of the best players on the Tigers roster. Yeah, yeah, great story. Uh, you know, he came over to play basketball, and, of course, uh, you know, he reclassified, I think, and he blew up within about a month or two. Everybody in the country offered him. We got him over here. Uh, you know, he just really connected. He started out as a defensive end and, um, you know, was, was going to be a, a pretty good defensive end, we felt like. Uh, and then we moved him to left tackle. And, uh, you know, the great thing about – Prince is uh, his best football's ahead of him. I mean, he's still learning the game, uh, but he's a great foot athlete. Uh, he's a smart uh, young man. He is a super young man, too, with great character, you know, and he's a lot tougher than everybody thinks, too. You know, this past year, he was banged up, uh, you know, most of the year, but he kept playing and really fought through it. Uh, but I think his best football's ahead of him. Coach, when you see those multi-sport athletes coming from the high school level, you know, what, how often does that show up for you guys uh, on the football field, what, especially along the offensive line? Are there specific traits uh, that that will show up on with those guys? Well, I mean, you're always looking for the best athlete you can find to play up front, uh, especially in our league. I mean, at left tackle, you have to have a guy that's very athletic. Uh, you know, and Prince has gotten better and better with his sets and, uh, you know, like learning the game, learning different pass moves and studying the defenders and everything that goes with that. And Prince really stepped up this year in the leadership role, too. You know, he doesn't say a bunch, but when he talks, people listen. And, uh, you know, he is a fine young man. He, he lost his mom about two years ago, and it was a really, really tough deal. His family means a lot to him, and that's really what motivates him, uh, just to take care of his family back home. But uh, like I said, he's a he's a wonderful human being. Both guys very athletic, and the Eagles have one of the more athletic offensive lines in the NFL. I know you guys uh, leverage that athleticism, you know, in your scheme. How important is that to have those athletic skills uh, along the offensive line? Well, I mean, it's very important uh, to adjust. And you know, you're talking about Jack's athleticism earlier. I mean, he's a very good athlete, and uh, Jack is so smart. I mean, he's a true technician, and it's just so important to him. He's working on his own 
uh, a lot. You could just tell that, uh, you know, he was going to have a chance to make it. And so it doesn't surprise me at all. And like I said, I think the Eagles with both of them uh, got two guys I think has a chance to play a long time in the league. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com to share some stories about Jack Driscoll, Prince Tego Onogo. We'll let you get out of here. Thanks so much. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Best of luck to you guys here in 2020. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome stuff there from Coach Malzahn. It was great to catch up with him and learn a little bit more about both Jack Driscoll and Prince Tego Onogo. Now, let's get into the Wayback Machine here a little bit. The first time we talked about either of these players on the show – was last summer. It was our SEC preview in August, and when it came time to talk about the best senior on offense in the entire conference, talking about the SEC here, the best senior on offense, who did Tony Pauline pick? That's Prince Tegoanogo. Top offensive senior in the SEC, who you got? Well, Fran, as you well know, I have a history, a great history of butchering names. <laughs> so here's my first one for the season, and the season hasn't even oh, begun. No. <laughs> It's going to be Prince Tega Wanago of Auburn, the offensive tackle, who uh, when I watched him, I know he had a lot of hype. I spoke with people, scouts who thought that he stamped them as a mid-first round choice with the grade this early in the season. And everything I saw in film basically lived up to the, met, met those expectations. Excellent size, six foot five, 310 pounds, but he's fundamentally sound. He's not a stiff six five, 310 pounds. He got, he's a guy who bends his knees. He blocks with leverage, uses his hands well, shows ability out on the second level, terrific in pass protection. He's got some dominant strength at the point of attack. Would like to see him develop a little bit more of a nasty streak. But I, I, I think when you look at a guy that's got size, that's got the ability to bend, that's got flexibility, that's decent on his feet. I think uh, Wanahago uh, really measures up to the expectations that scouts have put on him at this point in time, which is he's going to be a first-round pick in 2020. Yeah, the most uh, recent in the royalty that comes from the Auburn offensive line. Remember, that's where uh, King Dunlap went. So you got a king a few years ago, and now you got a, you got a prince this year. Uh, an intri- intriguing player, very smooth athlete. I, I like what I saw from uh, Prince Wanago. Fast forward now to the first week of October, and Auburn is getting ready to take on the Florida Gators. This was a game that I was going to have my eye on that week, and the matchup I was most excited for in that game, well, it involved both of the Tiger tackles. My matchup of the week that I'm excited about uh, is going to be Auburn going up against Florida, an SEC matchup. Uh, look at the trenches here. This Florida defensive line, that'll be something that I'll be interested to watch in this game against Auburn's two tackles because you've got uh, Prince Tega Wanogo at left tackle. You've got Jack Driscoll uh, at right tackle. Both guys, I think, are very intriguing. Prince is one of the more athletic tackles in this class, really looks the part. He's got good feet, good knee bend, a really natural mover. Driscoll, a little bit undersized. I would say both guys are a little bit undersized. But Driscoll, man, I mean, he plays the position really well. He uses his hands. He's a very smart player. I think both those guys uh, have next-level potential at either tackle or guard. So both guys, I think, are very interesting in this game going up against a very talented Florida defensive front. Yeah, I like Wanahago. I think he's a bit underrated. I think he's going to end up in the first round if he continues to progress. I think he has a high upside. I, I also like Driscoll, but I think Driscoll's probably better off at guard the next level. He's just more of a small area guy. He's not the... Uh, not the athlete of his teammates. Probably better. He's more refined, more polished offensive lineman, more NFL ready. Though he doesn't have the upside, but he plays a smart and fundamentally sound football. It just doesn't have that uh, tremendous athleticism to be used in a variety of systems. Like you said, it's going to be a good matchup, especially the Green, you know, the Greenyard Wanahago matchup, uh, because Greenyard can get outside and get around the edge and take those wide angles. We'll see if the Auburn tackle can shut him down. 
And you heard Tony again there talking about what the ceiling was for Tega Winogo there in round one. That's the way he was talked about in the media really for the last calendar year. So you get to see the kind of talent that the Eagles got late in the draft with Tega Winogo. Now, I talked about Driscoll and Prince again a few weeks later before that pivotal SEC matchup between Auburn and LSU. But I want to push forward now a little bit into late November. All-star game announcements are hitting the media. And Prince Tega Winogo was announced for the Senior Bowl. Here's what Ben Fennell and I had to say after the announcement that week on the show. Prince Tegawanogo from Auburn, 6'5", 307. Another kid, a high school defensive end. He's got that athletic background. Hasn't played a ton of football. I don't believe he played until he got to high school. Um, but really athletic, really, mm-hmm. really natural mover. Just needs to be a little bit more refined and develop a little bit more power. Yeah, I was really impressed with his hand usage. Yeah. He's one of these guys that's already uh, pass protecting with his hands independently. He's not a robot. He's a guy that really kind of mirrors pass rushers and can you know uh, attack a variety of uh, rush moves. So mm-hmm. interesting player, huge hands, huge feet. Strong player, uh, just really needs to refine the technique. Now, the following week, Jack Driscoll was announced for the East-West Shrine Bowl, and that was a little bit of a shock to me because I thought Driscoll was definitely worthy of a Senior Bowl invite, but he's heading to St. Pete instead. Here's what I had to say about Driscoll after the announcement. Another offensive lineman, Auburn's right tackle, Jack Driscoll, 6'4", 300. Size is going to be a concern for him. The, the length is going to be a concern. He has played guard in the past, so that'll help him. Uh, but this is a guy who uses his hands really, really well. He's a pretty good athlete. Uh, he's playing next to, to Prince Tegawanogo, yep. who's the left tackle. Uh, so I think he gets a little bit under the, you know, he gets a little bit underrated. Um, this is a transfer from UMass that. Honestly, on film, I was impressed with both these guys. Yeah. I, I like Jack Driscoll a lot. I, I don't know who you were watching. I saw on your screen. I kept saying, who's the right tackle? Who's the right tackle? Yeah, who was I watching? He reminded me of Braden Smith, right. who just looked a little bit underwhelming in his Auburn career. Yep. Turns into a second-round pick, and I don't think he's left the right tackle spot of the Indianapolis Colts since. Yeah. And, you know, just a good player that's, uh, you know, kind of a blue-collar doing his job guy. So the All-Star Game circuit is in full swing. We go down to the Shrine Bowl, and Driscoll had a solid week of practice. I thought he was one of the better overall players down there the entire week. And then we get back, and it's time to shift our attention to Mobile. We do a segment where Ben and I preview some of the big names. And C-Mac, who was new to the show at that point, just fresh off the Eagles season, so he's asking information about these guys. And he wants to know, what's the deal with Prince Tegawanogo? And the other player I picked out, Auburn's Prince Tega Winogo, yeah. who you said, mm. Fran, is actually of royalty. Like, he is. It's a legit prince. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I just I know that there's something there. I haven't d- d- uh, dived quite as deep into it uh, as I probably should. But, uh, no, there's there's something there. But this kid, he's really athletic. He's uh, He's got really light feet. Again, the, the lack of length will be a little bit concerning. He's a little bit shorter as well, so he might be a guard when it's all said and done. But really athletic kid. He's just he's just raw with his hands. I think we've talked about the the difference between him and Jack Driscoll, who we just saw at the East West Shrine mm-hmm. Bowl. Uh, Driscoll was very technically sound, um, just a little bit smaller. He's a, you know he's he's not the, the ideal body type, and his feet aren't as quick. This guy's got a lot of tools to work with in his body. It's just about kind of getting him up to snuff from a technical standpoint. But a very very intriguing high upside prospect. So the Eagles end up getting a pair of Auburn linemen in this draft. First, Driscoll goes off the board. He catches up with Dave Spadaro in this exclusive one-on-one interview. Here's a chunk of that discussion. Jack, how's it feel to be a Philadelphia Eagle? It's an honor. I'm so happy to be an Eagle and part of this great franchise, and I can't wait to get to work. Let's talk about your journey that arrives, that gets you to this point here. University of Massachusetts 
to the University of Auburn. That is quite a jump. Describe the jump, not only from a football standpoint, but moving from campus, uh, playing in front of 100,000 people in the SEC. What was the experience like? It was great. You know, my experience at both UMass and at Auburn were, you know, great, and they both helped me prepare. They both prepared me for this day. But um, yeah, you know, I started at UMass, and I'm ultimately I'm a competitive person. I always wanted to play at the highest level possible, so I decided to uh, grad transfer to Auburn with two years of eligibility remaining. And like I said, I want to test myself against the best, not only week in and week out, but day out, day in and day out of practice. And you know, look, Auburn and Coach Malzahn and all of them do a great job of getting us ready for this point. You know. Um, when you're playing the best in the country every week, you know, you have to elevate your game. And, um, you know, I feel like going to Auburn and, you know, having that experience of going down south. And, you know, anyone who's been down there knows it's different from up north. But, um, you know, everyone took me in with open arms and it made a great transition. And, you know, I really enjoyed my two years. Always great to hear the player's vantage point of making a jump like that and getting a peek into his mindset. Good stuff there from Dave, who also caught up a little bit later with Prince Tegoanogo. Here's a piece of that interview as well. The story is a remarkable one, coming from Nigeria to the state of Alabama, playing college football at the University of Auburn, and now a member of the Philadelphia Eagles selected in round number six of the 2020 NFL Draft. Please welcome Prince Tega Wanago. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and Prince, welcome uh, to Philadelphia and the Eagles. And first of all, hello. How are you doing on this fine day? I'm pretty good, Mr. Dave. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. I, I want to get into the story first before we talk about being a Philadelphia Eagle and how you fit in. So let me get this right. You come from Nigeria. You'd never played football before. You arrive in America with $20 in your backpack. You're a basketball player. You're a swimmer. You're in Alabama. You are taken in by a wonderful family. And then a couple of years later, you're starting for Auburn University. Do I have my facts correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's uh, that's that's all of it right there. <laughs> so tell me about this. I mean, as you put it into perspective, what a remarkable journey you have had. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's it's been a long journey. Like it's been, it's been a long road, and uh, you know, like just uh, coming to the United States as a whole, uh, it wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't say something I should ever dreamed about. And um, the opportunity just presented itself, and my whole family, everybody was down for it. They were little, like, you know, a little open for it, and um, turns out to be one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And um, yeah, you've got tremendous athletic ability, offensive tackle. Played at Auburn after playing just one year of high school football. Prince, I wonder why do you think you have been so successful to this point? Uh, I would say for me, just uh, me being open to learn, just growing up, like I've, I've always been like open, like just to learn new stuff, like be open, like to see new things. And, um, you know, coming to the United States, like I was a basketball player and uh, it would have been easier for me now, you know, just sticking to basketball and saying I'm going to play basketball. But uh, I was open forward and, you know, just learn something new. And uh, that this sport actually just just that openness just turns out to be one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And, uh, you know, just look at where, where I'm at today. So for both of those interviews, make sure you go check out PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Outstanding stuff, as always, from the Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. And make sure, of course, that you are subscribed to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave, where you get all kinds of exclusive interviews with outstanding access all year round. So 
The Eagles get the pair of Auburn tackles, but that was not the only pairing they came away with on day three because they also walked away with a pair of explosive deep threats at the wide receiver position in Jine Hightower from Boise State and Quez Watkins from Southern Miss. Now, let's start things off with Hightower, a guy that we talked about quite a bit this fall, and it all started back at September with our good friend Dane Brugler from The Athletic. He could not help but sing the Broncos' praises when he came on the show. Uh, Dane, you know I love talking with everybody about sleepers and who they feel like they're higher on than you know the rest of the industry. So let's start there. I want to ask you about two players uh, that I, you know, one on each side of the ball that you feel like you're a little bit higher on uh, than the rest of the country. Let's start on offense. Who's one player that we really need to know about? Uh, it's gonna be so hard to keep it to one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll go two on offense. Okay. Uh, John, John Hightower, Boise State receiver. Got it. Yep. Uh, He's not exactly a sleeper. You know, I and mean, people know the name, but I don't think that people know how good he is. I mean, he's he's tall and lean. He's six one and a half, hundred and eighty-five pounds. He can fly. Uh, the speed is what allows him to win off the line, get behind the secondary. He's one of the better vertical threats in the senior class. Uh, you'll see him on jet sweeps, uh, slip screens, uh, just whatever to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he has a kick return for a touchdown this year. So the, the key to his game is speed, and we know the NFL covets speed. So I think John Hightower is going to be uh, – he, he is m- much more liked by NFL uh, teams than I think the media realizes. Well, with Hightower – I watched him in the uh, earlier this season. Um, I watched Florida State. I want to. I watched one of the other games as well. Shades of Will Fuller, both good and bad. I think there with, with Hightower. But you you mentioned. It. I mean the speed. Bingo. The NFL is looking for speed. Let's push forward now to the end of the regular season, and we're previewing the East-West Shrine Bowl. Hightower is going to be one of the best receivers in attendance, and Ben Fennel broke down how he viewed the senior before his trip to St. Pete. Well, a guy that's more in your wheelhouse, I feel like, is John Hightower, the kid from Boise yeah. State. That's yeah, no question. Yeah, He's a guy that I look at Darius Slayton with the New York Giants. Day three player, does one thing really well, and that's run. And yep. that's what John Hightower is going to do. Not a whole lot of exceptional traits, but I have written down speed demon, explosive, acceleration, extra gear, averaging 17 yards a catch in his career mm-hmm. here from multiple quarterbacks, Brett Rippon last year, yeah. true freshman Hank Bachmeyer this year. Reminds me of Darius Slayton or even like Clyde Gates. That's a good comparison with uh, with Slayton because now yeah. thinking about my notes on Slayton, I know when the Eagles put, prepared to play the Giants this year, I just went back and revisited my notes. A lot of those things I questioned about Slayton, I questioned about Hightower, finishing at the catch point, yep. consistent route running, beating press, but I mean, you go to the you go to the NFL, you can improve a little bit. And almost identical height, weight to yeah. uh, Darius Slayton. I expect Good. them to both be kind of four four players. Yeah. And you look at Slayton in a deep receiver class. He's not going to go on day two. Yep. He's going to be a day three player that if you need a speed demon to take the top off the defense and can maybe incorporate him like a Darius Slayton, that's that's a John Hightower for you. Yeah, I, I think Hightower is a really intriguing player. Certainly someone that'll be on a lot of people's radars next week. And I love the comparison there from Ben with Hightower to Darius Slayton. Lots of similarities there in the way that both of those guys played. Obviously, Slayton had a nice impact for the New York Giants last fall. So we get down to St. Pete. We catch up with our old friend and our old co-host, Bo Wolf from The Athletic. He brings a name into this segment that has stood out to him in person down at the Shrine Bowl, and that name was John Hightower. There's only one guy here who I think has been like able to separate and show speed and I mean we're talking about probably like a sixth or seventh round pick here but uh, John Hightower from Boise State is the guy I mean he's don't get me wrong he has dropped like three or four passes he does not look like he has good hands but he is a guy who maybe if you think you can coach up 
he at least has the physical tools, I think, to, to create space at the next level. Well, you are uh, talking about a guy that Dane, our friend Dane Brugler is very high on. Oh, okay. He's big on John Hightower. I believe, and I don't want to misquote him, I believe he was in a top 50 for Dane back in like October. Ooh, Dane, of course, uh, works for go, The Athletic. Of course. Um, and Dane does an outstanding job. Uh, I think when you look at Hightower, he's one of those guys that when you come down to this game has a unique trait. His speed, um, he's built like a Will Fuller has some of the same Will Fuller uh, strengths and weaknesses. He's got that ability to stretch the field, uh, ball skills, ball tracking, finishing at the catch point, a little bit inconsistent. I saw that on film, and we've seen that a little bit here. Uh, C-Mac, I know he stood out to you at numerous times, and they've used him in a lot of different ways too. Indeed. They got him on a reverse in yesterday's practice, on uh, today's Tuesday, so Monday's practice, where you could see him fly up and dart up the field yep. and you know, be able to get away from defenders. So you can't teach speed. That's yeah. obviously one of the biggest – like you said, it's a defining trait that he could bring to an offensive yeah. team. He's, he's got that in his bag for sure. Now, Hightower did have some drops early. Bo was right about that one for sure. But one thing that stood out to me was that he got better as the week went on. And actually, before we got into the car to go home, the final practice that we watched, I thought that Hightower was outstanding. He made some outstanding grabs that I could tell you about right now and say, oh, yeah, I remember all this. But... Let's just go back. Let's just go back to our drive, literally, to the airport where we did a podcast from the car in traffic en route to the Tampa Bay International Airport. Uh, you know, that is going to be Boise State wide receiver John Hightower, who we've talked about. You know, he's one of those guys that has a unique trait that's here at this game. His unique trait is his speed. That sets him apart from a lot of the players that are down here. He's got a legit 4-4 background. He's got the ability to stretch the field, be a factor vertically. He's had some drops this week. He had a couple drops today. He also made some outstanding catches. And I think when you look at guys like Will Fuller, okay, and I, I mentioned this, if you go back uh, and listen to an interview we did on Mr. Relevant with Dane Brugler back, I want to say, it was late September, maybe early October. You know, we talked about John, High, John Hightower, and I told him after I watched him, I watched a couple games, and I said, there are a lot of the same positives and negatives with Hightower that you get with Will Fuller. And, and Will Fuller was pretty inconsistent, you know, at Notre Dame. You know, this is a speed demon, can go up and get it, um, but had the ability to bake the big play. This is a big play league, and John Hightower can make the big play. So you may live with some of the drops. It's You know, I think when you look at some of the big play guys, the young guys that have come into the league over the last couple of years, years. Uh, you know, the Deacon Metcalf's a great example. The Eagles fans saw it up close uh, this season. That first game against Seattle in the regular season, Metcalf had a couple of drops, a couple of bad ones. And you see that on film. Darius Slayton from Auburn uh, with the New York Giants. Same thing. I went and watched all of Slayton's targets before the Eagles matched up against the Giants. Yeah, a lot of people focused in on the big play, big play, big play. There were a lot of drops, a lot of things where he misplayed balls and, and didn't track it well over his shoulder down the field on deep balls. You're going to get some of that with John Hightower. That's why I kind of love the comparison of Hightower to a Darius Slayton because you're going to get some of the same positives and negatives. Big play potential, a lot of tools there in the toolbox to be able to be able to uh, you know grow into a starting receiver, but not a guy that is fully all the way where he needs to be at today. He made some outstanding one-handed catches, made some highlight grabs. This is a guy that uh, there's there's something to work with there with John Hightower and I thought today more so than the other two days he was able to put that on display. So let's get to the combine where Hightower again stood out to me not just with his 4-4-3 40-yard dash but with his positional workout as well. Here's what I had to say the night he took the field in Indianapolis. Next guy we're going to hit on uh, John Hightower. I was impressed with Hightower, C-Mac. One of the questions people had about him uh, were his hands, and he does have some drops. We saw him in person down at the Shrine Bowl, and he had his share of drops throughout the course of the week. But 
I think if, I, if memory serves, I think he only put one or two balls on the ground and over the course of the entire workout on Thursday night, uh, and he showed off that speed. He went 4-4-3 in the 40-yard dash. We knew that he had some speed, so that's not what really st stands out to me. To me, it was more the positional workout, uh, seeing what he was able to do. I thought he looked confident at the catch point. couple of drops, but overall, I thought he looked good catching the football. So after the Eagles made Hightower the pick, I had to catch up with somebody on that Boise State coaching staff. And I was really, really thrilled to chat with their offensive coordinator, Eric Keesaw, who gave us not only a great scouting report of Hightower and what he can bring and anecdotes of recruiting him and getting him on campus, but he also had a phenomenal connection with another member of the Eagles receiving corps as well. Here's that interview right now. Well, very happy to be joined by Boise State Offensive Coordinator Eric Keesaw. Coach, thanks for joining us here to talk about uh, the Eagles draft pick, John Hightower, the wide receiver uh, from the Broncos. And I guess before we get started, let's just get your scouting report. What, what have you seen from John Hightower over the last couple of years in your offense? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind you guys got a real good one and not just a great football player, but what you'll love about John, what you'll see him, everybody's going to see his speed and his playmaking ability. But uh, when you really find out what he's all about, he's very smart, very intelligent. Uh, his work ethic is impeccable. Um, and, and he has us all the intangible things that you want in a great player. And I think you'll be very happy once you get him there and get to know what kind of person he is and how he fits in with the guys. And uh, he's going to be a great addition for you guys, no doubt. I know he was a, a junior college addition for you guys. Do you have a, a memory, a, a specific play, or anything like that when he first got to campus where you were like, man, all right, this guy's going to be someone that we can work with for the next couple of years? It was actually it was actually on his recruiting film. Uh, you know, he went to a, a junior college in Mississippi, and there was, there was three or four really highly recruited guys on that team, so he didn't have a lot of production. But there was one catch in particular that I saw – where he made this kind of diving catch in the corner of the end zone, his kind of body kind of flipped up. It's just he was very athletic and how he uh, how he went after the ball. Anyway, that one clip, and then you see him, then you get him every day at Boise State. You kind of see how he how he works, and how he practices, and it's really just an accumulation of of his time in junior college and getting to Boise State and where he is now. The first time I got to see him in person was down at the East West Shrine Bowl down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and he had a couple of those grabs down in the red zone late in the week that really kind of caught my eye. And that's why I wanted to ask you, you know, we've talked a lot this weekend about the difference between hands and ball skills. Eagles drafted three receivers. So uh, wide receiver talk very much on the mind of Eagles fans. I want to ask you, when you look at John, what is the, how do you determine the difference between a receiver's hands and his ball skills? Uh, how do you kind of define those two traits? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, I think um, ball skills is something you could train over time. I think hands is really a natural ability, and I think those are kind of the two uh, the two separate traits among the, at the receiver position is uh, he has and ironically he has both he has really good a very innate uh, ball skill set that he got from just uh, being a great athlete and then he works at it and you know gets on the jugs and and really does a great job of using his eyes and his hands and coordinated together uh, and that's what in my opinion what makes an elite receiver is the guy that has the ability to make his eyes and hands kind of work together. Uh, almost in harmony, so to speak, and then it makes it look almost effortless when they catch the ball. So I think John really excels in both those areas. Coach, one thing that stood out to me watching you guys on film last fall uh, was, you know, he lined up at X, he lined up at Z, he lined up in the slot. And then when you guys went heavy, when you guys went 22 or 13 personnel, he was the lone receiver on the field. The Eagles are a big 12 personnel offense, a couple of tight ends that they love to incorporate with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. What does it mean to have that level of speed on the field in those heavier packages? 
Well, I think it, it makes the defense defend the whole field, and that's why we did it. And that's why we moved John around from outside to inside in the heavy sets. He was always out wide because if you put him out there in those heavy sets and get him in those big those big personnel groups and they leave him one-on-one, well, then you got the matchup you want. If they take a safety and put him over the top, and now they got two over, over John in the corner of the safety, then it makes the, the box a little bit lighter to run the ball. So it's really it's how the defenses are going to defend when you have a, a playmaker like John on the field. And then we, as an offense, have to exploit that. But uh, that's the that's the unique thing about having a guy like John who's so talented and can, like you said, and that was the other thing we like to do too is, you know, he's a primary and outside guy for us. But then he's, let's get him inside on these smaller nickels. I mean, if they don't, if they don't package out and they leave a linebacker on John, let's exploit that. So we really try to move guys around and get, get as many mismatches as we can. And John really helped us do that. Fans don't necessarily recognize the fact that you have to have the the mental aptitude to be able to line up in different spots and understand uh, how to attack leverage from different parts of the field. Uh, obviously, John has that uh, ability from the mental side of the game. That that's the one thing that I hope you guys will love and learn to get to know more about John. Is he's actually very intelligent. We put him at quarterback a couple of times, and a couple of times we had to have him call to play in the huddle. And uh, and you think for a receiver who doesn't do it very often. He loved it. He thrived on it. He could. He would actually practice it. We would actually practice in the, in the receiving meeting room, just how he presented himself. And he just he would have so much fun with it. Even when we got into the game plan and game planning and practice, if, if we got to a certain play on the field, he he'd call it out. He would he would call it out just like it was, like he was the quarterback, kind of in, in a jokingly manner. So he's very sharp. He's very smart. He's very intuitive. He's very football smart, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited about John moving forward. The Eagles added a, a ton of speed over the weekend. And, you know, with, with John, uh, certainly Jalen Rager, the first-round pick, they pair those guys with Deshaun Jackson. And I, I, wanna, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. I know you were at Cal in the mid-2000s. Uh, you coached Deshaun Jackson his freshman year, and you recruited him there. So uh, let, let's get some Deshaun Jackson throws. What was it like uh, recruiting young Deshaun uh, from high school, and what was it like having him in your room for that first year? Deshaun was awesome, uh, and, and I, I mean that. You know, I think – recruited Deshaun we, back that was back in the day when we started really young which we still do now and uh the, the unique thing about Deshaun was he was also a uh, professional baseball um athlete as well so he I'd go to these games I'd go to his baseball games there'd be 15 scouts in the stands and I'm I'm here recruiting him for football you know at, at Cal Berkeley so uh it was kind of a very unique and, and different recruiting process with him and, and uh I, I asked him one time ago hey you know what at the end of the day you know why'd you end up coming to Cal why, why'd you end up coming and uh I'll never forget. He goes, because this is the time when video games are big, and they still are now. But sometimes I come over for a home visit, and he was so exhausted from talking to baseball teams and talking to football you know, colleges, and he had so much going on. We literally would just sit there and just hang out and talk and play some video games just where he kind of just be himself and kind of let loose a little bit. And so I think that was kind of a big difference maker. But he's, a, as you guys know, ultra competitor, chip on his shoulder, wants to prove everybody wrong. Um, and he was actually great uh, in my experience at Cal with him and and, and – so excited to kind of see him do what he's doing, where he's at now in his career. Was there a, a moment early in his career? Obviously, you recruiting him, you know the kind of athlete you're getting. But when you get him on campus, was there a moment where you were like, all right, like this guy's everything we knew he was going to be? I, I, still, tell, I still tell the story today. It was his first practice at Cal Berkeley in the stadium. He's a true freshman. He's a hundred and probably 53 pounds, a little tiny dude. But everybody knew who he was. He's a big recruit, big name. And I go, Deshaun, hey. When you get out here and we start making some plays, like just just don't don't talk too much mess. Earn the respect of the <laughs> old guys, some of the senior guys, the older guys. Well, we get into practice, and I'll never forget it. It's near the end of practice, last team beer is a deep take, deep post going down the hash. And Deshaun goes up 
and jumps over to so safety in the corner, jumps over two guys, grabs the ball away from unbelievable play. This is his first practice. And what does he do? And classic Deshaun Jackson throws the ball down with like the senior DB. He's like talking mess over the top in a good, playful way. But I was like, you got to be kidding. We talked about this. <laughs> Take your time. You know, earn the respect of the guys. But it was great. It was fun. But what a great competitive moment for Deshaun. And, and really kind of that as his career went on and just kind of a light of what was the seeing the future with Deshaun. But, man, I'll tell you, I tell guys today all the time, man, what an ultimate, ultimate competitor. I don't want to compare John to Deshaun, but I know that fans are going to be after if they're listening to this conversation, they would say, "How do you compare John Hightower to Deshaun Jackson? What are the, some of the similarities that you see? Obviously, the speed is there. Uh, the speed and, and the natural hands. Uh, both those guys really had natural ball skills, and really, I would say the speed, the natural hands, and really their competitive nature. I mean, that's another thing I'll challenge guys, people to watch is you watch John Hightower blocking even on special teams, he would take guys and run guys 20 yards down the field and then dump them into the ground because he just had that competitive nature to him. Uh, Deshaun wasn't really big into that part of it, but he was definitely had that competitive nature to him. So I think those are kind of a lot of the similarities. And I think, honestly, when you look at the great players, they all have that competitive edge, and that's what makes them great. And that's why I think John's going to do such a great for you guys. Once you guys get to know him, you'll see that competitive nature. He's kind of quiet, but that competitive nature will come out. I think those are – a lot of similarities between him and Deshaun, for sure. <coughs> well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us here uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Stay safe, stay healthy. Best of luck to you guys here this fall. You got it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Great stuff there from Coach Keyson. He spoke glowingly about Hightower and what he can bring to the field in the NFL, but he was not the only coach I spoke with that day because I also caught up with Southern Miss head coach Jay Hobson to talk about another Eagles draft pick at the wide receiver position in Quez Watkins. Here's what Coach Hobson had to say. Well, excited to welcome in the head coach from the University of Southern Miss, Coach Jay Hobson. Coach, uh, welcome in to talk about uh, Eagles draft pick uh, Quez Watkins, uh, obviously a speed receiver. Love to get your scouting report on Quez and what he's going to bring to this Eagles football team. Well, Fran, thanks for having me. But again, there's probably no uh, guy. The Eagles got to steal. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, Quez is a young man that his his upside is tremendous. And again, I think he's a kid that you're just going to see get better and better and better. But when you talk about his physical attributes, it's, you know, he's a young man that might even, I don't even know if he's, I think he ran, what, four, three, six at the combine. But he's a guy, once he gets physically stronger and bigger, he could be that, even that high four, two, eight, four, two, nine guy. Exceptional, uh, just talent. I mean, you don't find guys like Quiz very often. So I think the Eagles, uh, Kudos to the Eagles to get him in the sixth round with the talent potential. That's an amazing pick by the Eagles. So, obviously, you saw that blazing speed in high school, but you know, you're yeah. not quite sure that he's going to turn into that productive player until you get him on campus and get him into your system. At what point did you know, all right, like we got us a player, he's going to be someone for us over the next couple of years? His, fresh, his freshman year, you know, uh, of course, you. you uh, a guy, Tim Billings and I, we were at Marshall back with Randy Moss back in the day. So you can't, you know, naturally you can't sit there and, and make that <laughs> comparison this early in his career. But he would do some things that, you know, Tim and I, we'd look at each other and go, wow, we hadn't seen something similar to that in a long time. So to be honest with you, uh, just his upside, his ceiling is phenomenal i think he's going to be an outstanding uh, nfl player for a long long time 
And then is there is there one game that if fans have not seen him play, they say, you know what, like you, you got to go watch this game, you know, against this team, or uh, that really kind of stands out and encapsulates the kind of player that he is. Well, I would go. Uh, you know, his first game he played for us this season. Remember now, Quiz had those stats and basically only played, you know, eleven games, not thirteen. So I would go look at the uh, the like the first game back. You know, if Troy, we played Troy. The, I think the third week of the season and and. Uh, you know, just I mean, you can pick any game, really, but there's games. You can pick the San Antonio game, uh, games where, you know, you can see explosive plays. And, and, and But Quez is that guy that once he gets loose, you're not going to catch him. You know, that that's one thing with receivers sometimes that you, you, you watch. You know, guys have big playability, and, you know, guys make big plays. But I can honestly say I've never seen Quez be caught uh, from behind or an, an angle that looked like it was a fair race. So I think what you get in Quez as a young man, if you get him in space, he makes the catch, you know, you've got touchdown potential every time he touches the ball. Coach, we, we've had this, it was kind of been a recurring theme throughout the week, you know, with the, the amount of speed the Eagles added, very tight end centric offense, 12 personnel, uh, you know, with Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard on the field. When you add that kind of speed on the outside at receiver in a two tight end set, what does that do for a defense? Well, how how dangerous can that be from a matchup standpoint? Okay, well, what the Eagles are trying to do with that, they're trying to set up one on one situations, and naturally, guys that are that are that talented and have that speed element, you know, that's an equation for big plays, and I think that's something that Quez has proven over his career. Here is, is uh, again, I, I want to say. You know, you just go look over and over and over again. I know at Auburn a couple of years ago, he had some big plays and big touchdowns, but he's a guy that has big play ability and he can make things happen with the football. So that's what you want. If you can get one-on-one matchups with guys that run in that low 4-3, high 4-2 range, I think in the NFL, I think that's what all those guys are searching for. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us, giving us a little bit more insight into Quez Watkins and what he can bring to this Eagles team. Stay safe, stay healthy. Best of luck to you guys here this fall. I appreciate that. And, again, I, I'll say it one last time. I think for a six-round pick, kudos to the Eagles. They got a steal. So Howie Roseman spoke with the media after the draft, and he actually talked about how the Eagles had both Quez Watkins and Hightower. They had them very, very similar. Their tags were basically touching uh, on the uh, on the board. So when he talked about both those guys, he said, look, they ultimately chose Hightower over Watkins, but – as the board came back around and Watkins was still there a little bit later, they were they, he was just too good to pass up. And they, I love the idea of throwing as many resources as possible at one position. And with one, on offense, you know they obviously they needed speed for the Eagles to add Jalen Rager, John Hightower, and Quez Watkins to that position in this draft. I thought that was a really smart way to attack it. You look at a lot of teams around the league: New England. Baltimore, uh, Pittsburgh, a lot of teams kind of take this way. You know, Green Bay has done it for a long time, uh, going back to their days with Ron Wolf, where they'll throw multiple darts at a position, hope a couple of those guys stick. And I love the, the, the idea there from the Eagles in this scenario. So great stuff there from Coach Hobson. Great stuff about Quez Watkins. Now, we've got to cover linebacker Sean Bradley. And as a Temple guy myself, I wanted to kick things off with my conversation with Bradley's head coach, a guy that I was very excited to talk to, Temple's Rod Carey. Well, pleased to welcome into PhiladelphiaEagles.com Temple University head coach Rod Carey. Uh, a couple of owls here to talk about a former owl in Sean Bradley. Coach, thanks so much for joining us to talk about uh, Eagles draft choice linebacker Sean Bradley. And I guess we'll start things off real quick. Let's get a scouting report. Well, what are your thoughts on Sean Bradley, what he has done for you guys over the last couple of seasons? 
Well, Sean, with our transition here, it, it, quite frankly and simply put, the best leader I've ever been around and just has all those intangibles that you look for. And then you put that with his skill set, which he runs really fast, he hits really hard, and he tackles really well. So when you got all those things, I think you guys got a heck of a player. What was that like? Because I, I obviously it was a, a crazy transition from uh, from Jeff Collins to yourself. Um, you know, uh, Manny Diaz stepped in as the head coach for like ten days. It was a, a, a tumultuous couple of weeks there. What was he? How important was he to the to that group? And what was it like just having that kind of leader in place when you guys stepped in? Well, the seniors were incredibly important, led by Sean. And I met with Sean the very first night I took the job that I got on campus and. Uh, just I didn't do much talking, which was amazing. He did most of the talking and I listened and what he was saying and how, you know, he's been going about his life and how he saw this thing going is the exact same way I did. And I didn't have to say any, anything. So uh, it became incredibly invaluable. And then when we wanted some, you know, some things to go on, I'd ask him an opinion when it was appropriate for a player coach to ask an opinion. And then he would get the message sent and, that's a powerful leader when he can communicate with the entire locker room. He has one of the single digits. And I, I was there, Coach, when uh, that Temple Tough tradition got in, in, instituted back in the mid-2000s. What does that mean? You know, you kind of give fans uh, a little bit of a, an insight into what it means for those guys to get that single-digit number for Temple. Well, most, most places in the country, and every place I've ever coached, a single digit is a recruiting tool where – you know, if you have a high-end recruit, you go ahead and say, hey, listen, you want a single digit, you know, because you were, you can have it. Those that not here at Temple, you got to earn it. And it's voted on by your teammates. It isn't a coach play, coach thing. I think you deserve it. I think this, the players have to vote you. And they know the levity of that. We do some votes during fall camp about who's done the best in the offseason, who's done the best in uh, preseason. And once you get a single digit, you can be a freshman sophomore, junior, you have it for life. And we put you up and you're memorialized in the EO, our training facility forever. And so he's on a long list of fives, but uh, certainly uh, well-deserved and he'll be there for a long time. One thing that always stood out to me about Sean, you know, going back, just even just looking at him over the last few years, obviously always keeping tabs uh, on the Owls. He always seemed to come up big against the biggest opponents in, in mm. crucial times. I know he was involved with that fourth down stop on the goal line against Maryland this year, had a big interception with, against them uh, the previous year. Talk about just, you know, what that what, what does that entail? I mean, is that something tangible that you can kind of put your finger on and say, yeah, this guy's just got it? Oh, how, what goes into being that kind of a playmaker in those crucial times? Yeah, what you get with Sean is exactly what you get in practice every day. He's he's one of those rare people, because it's a hard thing to do. Uh, he practices harder than he plays, and he loves practice. It's not a dredge for him. So what you see on game day is really simple. That's a thing that just happens every day in practice for him, and so games are pretty dang easy. And that's why you see that in those moments that are memorable, People say he made a play. Now, Sean will tell you, and I'll tell you, he just went out and executed what he does every day. Coach, the uh, the linebacker position ever evolving in, in football. I know in college ranks, it certainly is the case. In the NFL, absolutely the case. 
how does he what does he bring to the table from being able to play in the passing game you know a lot of people will say you know in order for a guy to be a three down player in the nfl he's got to have that ability to hold up in coverage uh what is his skill set in the passing game well he's your prototypical what i call modern mike linebacker he's still got great size but he's not that 250 size anymore that people are playing with he's in that 220 range but that allows him to be physical and take on those big old linemen, but quick enough to get around them. But then in the in the pass game, he can still take your Tampa drop, you know, your deep middle third. He can match up with a wide receiver who's coming on an in route. He can certainly match up on any tight end that I've been around. And that skill set is the modern linebacker. And he, quite frankly, is the best one I've been around at that modern linebacker spot since I've been coaching. And your last one, Coach, I know you got to be excited to be able to uh, still see him in the home stadium at Lincoln Financial Field uh, on Sundays whenever possible. I know Sunday's an important day in the college football week, but uh, still good to be able to have him home. Yeah, well, and when I called him after you guys drafted him, he, he was crying and he was hooting and hollering. All the emotions were coming out, and he goes, Coach, I'm just changing jerseys, ain't changing stadiums. <laughs> I got to love it. So yeah. <laughs> I may try to sneak out there in one of your early games and catch first half or something. And I'm sure his presence in the city will allow him to come back and visit you guys as well. Coach, thanks so much for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Best of luck. Stay safe, stay healthy, and best of luck to you guys in 2020. Hey, thanks, Fran. Same to you guys. Great stuff there from Coach Carey, who continues to do big things for the Temple football program. Now, we talked a little bit about Bradley throughout the fall, and in fact, the first time he came up was when I had another Temple Owl on the show, and that's ESPN's Kevin Nagandi. He jumped on to talk all things college football. I want to ask you, I love talking to people and kind of getting their sense of, of a player that, you know, maybe they're not, they feel they're higher on than most. You know, a guy that's not getting quite the national recognition uh, that they deserve. You, you Some people call it a sleeper or someone that's under the radar. But in your mind, you, you watch college football in the studio every single Saturday, week after week after week. There's got to be a guy that, you know, stands out to you in your own eyes that you feel just isn't getting the national recognition they deserve. Uh, actually, uh, there's there's a handful of guys. Uh, you know, we're very lucky. Uh, Jonathan Bellman, Mark Sanchez, and I uh, get the chance to sit there and watch six games at once. Right, and you're you're looking at different things, and we do that for all three windows. Whether it's the noon games, the three thirty games, or the seven, eight, uh, eight o'clock starts. Quincy Roche of, uh, of Temple, yep. he's been phenomenal. The defensive end. I mean, he's in the backfield every single play for the Owls. Sean Bradley as well for the Owls, and that's my love for, for Temple, all things Temple, because I keep an eye on that that team all the time. That defense is so darn good. Jaden Blue uh, on the other side is a fantastic wide receiver for the Owls as well. Kevin's one of my favorite people in all of broadcasting, and certainly in college football. Loved catching up with him last fall, and he was able to sneak in the first mention of Sean Bradley on the Journey to the Draft podcast, but the second mention actually came down at the Senior Bowl. Now, Sean Bradley was not there in Mobile, but we got a question in our draft mailbag about Bradley specifically. Here's what I said about him back in January. I have done Sean Bradley, uh, a Temple kid. They have got a, they have got a couple linebackers actually uh, in this class, and one of them, Bradley, was at the NFLPA game. I think when you look at Bradley, uh, this was a guy that was a Temple tough kid, so you know one of the t- nine toughest players uh, in college football, or on the uh, on the roster there, a local kid as well from Mount Holly, New Jersey. He's really tough. I like his competitiveness downhill. He's got the ability to come down and bang against uh, lead blockers. He's got a good feel for navigating in tight spaces, defeating blocks and traffic. 
I just want to see, you know, the speed is a little bit of a question mark. The ability to play sideline to sideline. I want to see him get a little bit better playing through contact as well. I, I mentioned the fact that he can navigate through traffic. He can find a way to sneak into tight cracks. But once he makes contact, he didn't have a lot of success. And I watched that game against Maryland where, you know, that, that group, that front seven was pivotal in terms of Temple beating Maryland in that game. Um, but ultimately, I want to see him get a little bit better playing through contact. But I did like what I some of the things I saw from Sean Brown. Bradley on film. So one of the things I had a question about with Bradley, well, it was his speed and his athleticism. So he made that question look really silly, what, what he did out at the Combine in Indianapolis. Here's what I said after his workout. Athletic testing. Uh, we talked about Isaiah Simmons, obviously, uh, extremely, you know, stood out in a big way. Uh, you mentioned Sean Bradley, uh, the linebacker from Temple. Temple. Uh, 4-5-1 in the 40-yard dash. I didn't see that kind of speed on film from Sean Bradley, so uh, that was impressive. And then he was solid everywhere else across the board. So uh, good overall workout from Sean Bradley. It was funny because he's running his 40, and you know, it's like, you know, I looked at Fran. I was like, looks like going fast. Is he known for his speed? And you're like, nah, that, you didn't really see that on tape as much. And then the time comes up, you're like, Oh, all right. So maybe he's got some, got a little bit of tools there. But then you go back to the workout as well, and I thought just checked all the boxes. It was explosive uh, in the agility drills. The four back shuffle looked really good there, uh, and you know just pretty much it's good top to bottom. Just overall a very good positional workout, and then certainly the uh, timing and testing number is going to help his case here. When you're as big as Bradley is and you test like that, and then you have the off-field character traits that his coach, remember what Coach Carey said earlier, best leader he's ever been around. Yeah, you're cooking with gas. You're going to get drafted, and that's what Bradley has going for him. Big reason why he's now a Philadelphia Eagle. He's big, he's tough, he's got physical tools, and he's a high intangibles guy. Honestly, I think you could say that not just about a lot of these Eagles draft picks, but you certainly could say it about the Eagles' final pick in this draft, and that's Stanford's Casey Toole. For more on him, I caught him with one of my favorite people in all of college football, a guy I seemingly talk with almost every year uh, around this time. That's Stanford head coach, David Shaw. We're really happy to be joined by Stanford head coach, David Shaw, to talk about Eagles seventh round draft choice, Casey Toole. Coach, uh, it feels like a yearly occurrence that we get to, to get, we get to chat. The Eagles to Stanford pipeline uh, continues almost on a yearly basis. Thanks so much for joining us. And we want to talk about Casey Toole. So I guess we'll start there. Uh, give us your scouting report on Casey and what he brings to the NFL. Well, I think the, when he got a chance to go to the combine, most people saw what we had been talking about all year. Uh, he's long, he's fast, he's explosive. I mean, ran a four-six with a thirty-nine-inch vertical jump. Uh, very active, and w- what we weren't able to do this year as much because he had to play so much on defense with all of our injuries is he's an outstanding special teams player. So that's one of those things too that I think is going to give him a chance to make the team. Yeah, and he was a guy that, to me, like watching you guys, he, he was asked to do so many things defensively. Uh, all those guys playing out on the edge for you uh, was such a good uh, – uh, was really good when utilized on, like, stunts and twists. Is that something uh, that you guys were able to kind of leverage with his skill set, with his athleticism up front? Absolutely. We had so many injuries this year, and he was one of those guys that stayed healthy all year. So he had to do a bunch of different things, both as an outside linebacker, defensive end, uh, we put him in the difficult positions because he could figure out what to do. If the stunt didn't work, he knew how to adjust it. Uh, great communicator. So, yeah, his versatility and speed and the length and athleticism really helped us out all year. Give us a snapshot into his background. What was it like recruiting Casey? Uh, what, what, how did he first catch the eyes of your staff? Well, he's from San Diego, and, you know, I'm from San Diego, so I always have a soft spot for San Diego guys. But uh, he was just kind of a long, skinny a kid, we're trying to figure out what he's going to become. Um, but the bottom line for us, he was really, really smart and just tenacious. 
um, high effort every single day in practice, every single day. And this is in high school. Every single day you go see him play in a game. Um, and we just said, this is just one of our guys. And we hoped he was going to get big enough, which he did for us. Um, big and got bigger, got stronger, uh, played a lot on special teams as a young guy. And he's one of those guys that walks in every day and says, okay, coach, what do you want me to do today? Um, a, a coachable guy and, and got to the point where being a leader for us and was one of the captain this year. Coach, there's been so much talk, especially here in Philadelphia, about players on defense that are positionless, that can be moved around and wear a lot of different hats. Uh, Casey is one of those guys, and people have kind of viewed, you know, is he a strong side linebacker? Can he come down and put his hand in the dirt? Can he line up as a stacked player, uh, you know, in the defensive front? How do you guys look, view that from a defensive standpoint and say, like, all right, well, this is a guy that can do a lot of different things for us. Uh, do you want to – early on, do you say, okay, we're going to give him one role and let him grow? Yeah, I think you have to go back and forth sometimes where if you get a guy that, that's bright enough and athletic enough and versatile enough, uh, it takes a lot of pressure off the coach. You know, you can put him in a bunch of different places, places you've seen what over the years what the Patriots have been able to do with their defense. They're taking outside linebackers and defensive ends, and basically they're both playing different positions. They move them around. Um, so, yeah, a guy like this I think can, can be a real good aid because he can line up in that nine technique and play that wide nine and pass rush. At the same time, he can loop inside. He can drop out and pass coverage and cover tight ends. Um, so this guy's got some versatility. Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us once again and giving us some insight into Casey Tool and what he'll bring to this Eagles defense. Best of luck to you guys here this fall. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Fly, Eagles fly. So we saw Casey down at the Shrine Bowl, but where he really flashed was up in Indianapolis at the Combine. He posted a very impressive workout, and it was enough to catch our eyes that night on the podcast. Casey Toole from uh, Stanford, who we saw at the Shrine Bowl, uh, outside linebacker in a 3-4, great jumps, good shuttles, went 4-6-2 in the 40-yard dash for a guy that's probably like a Sam backer, outside linebacker in a 3-4. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he checked that box, and I thought he had a good positional workout as well. So Casey Toole, uh, you know, I know he worked out with the LB group, uh, but I see I group with the edges. Uh, okay. I thought that he did a, a good job overall. Shortly after being drafted, Tool met with the Philly media on a Zoom call, and I pulled a couple of questions from where uh, Casey talks about the pre-draft process, the interest the Eagles showed in him, the kind of player the Eagles are getting, and really how his role at Stanford translates here in Philadelphia. How did this pre-draft process go for you? Did you know the Eagles were interested? Did they have a lot of contact with you? Yeah, so, you know, I had a, I had a decent amount of contact with the Eagles obviously there's a there's a strong Stanford connection right with Zach Ertz, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Nate Herbig so um yeah you know I met with them at the East West Shrine game at the Combine um and I had a good feel for you know the system where they saw me and um that they were interested but I mean besides that you know the pre-draft uh pre-draft process is pretty um there's a lot of mystery surrounding it right so I wasn't exactly sure you know, who was going to take me if I was going to get taken, things like that. But I'm just, I'm excited for the opportunity now. Hey, Casey, for fans that may not have seen you play or know much about you, what kind of player are the Eagles getting? What kind of player are Eagles fans going to see? Sure. I think you're going to get an athletic, versatile player who just will give it his all every play. You know, I want to just come in, I want to work hard, and I just want to be relentless. And I think um, whether or not fans have watched me or not, um, I just want to come in and I want to, learn and help the team win in any way possible. As a follow-up to that, Casey, your uh, time at Stanford, you were a, a stand-up rusher. Is that correct? Uh, so, yes, sir. Yeah, so what's going to be the adjustment to 
to being a down rusher and, and, and probably playing in the wide nine formation? Sure. So I guess the one thing to clarify with that is at Stanford, I put my hand in the ground a decent amount as well. So I'm not completely uncomfortable with that at all. But, you know, I think it is playing outside linebacker is a little different from playing D-end, different focus, uh, new scheme. So there's all adjustments with that and just, you know, the speed of the NFL, um, the the ability level is different than in college. So, you know, that's why, you know, when I come in, it's just it's just first and foremost just to learn and just to soak up all the information from the older guys and from the coaches and then just, you know, every day work hard. And I think that will put my best foot forward. Casey Tool, really impressive kid. All these guys, really, really impressive. Go back, check out all of those interviews, all those press conferences on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So that'll do it. A bit of a marathon here as we ran through all of the Eagles selections on day three of the draft, seven and all. I hope you truly enjoyed our journey series as we cataloged all of the Eagles draft choices this spring and look back at their path through the pre-draft process all the way up through hearing their names called. Again, if you're an Eagles fan, this is why you should be subscribed all year round. So you don't go anywhere. The draft might be over, but we've got some great content for you over the next few weeks. Not only, again, we're going to touch back, we're going to recap what all the other teams did over the next few weeks with our divisional recaps, but we're not too far away from talking about the 2020 season. Uh, So make sure, look, you get a jump on your friends. You can stay subscribed. You can learn more about all these guys. The guys that are going to be Eagles next spring, you can start learning about them this summer. So until then, we'll see you right here next week, next week here on the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.